In order to understand these 12 verses here in 1 Samuel 7, you need to have a little bit of background that kind of brings it all together. And you get a hint of it up toward the beginning in the second verse where it says, From the day the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This is the conclusion of a time when Israel had drifted far, far from God and had started worshiping idols, the idols of Baal and Ashtoreth, a female deity and a male deity, Baal and Ashtoreth. They had idols all over the place and they got to the point to where their God, the one true God, was to them just one God among many. Yeah, they worshiped God and he was their national God. His was the banner that was over Israel and they had this great heritage from for being delivered from Egypt by him and had all of this. But man, Baal and Ashtoreth were so much more fun. And worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth, it's kind of like going to somewhere very sinful, I guess would be the best way to say it. And in that worship, lots of sex and drinking was involved. But whenever you worship Baal and Ashtoreth, what happened there stayed there. So therefore, the laws of adultery and drunkenness and all that stuff, none of those things that make for holiness applied to them. But they had broken the first and the greatest commandment, the one that all the rest of the law lies on, and that is one God, one God, one God. You shall serve me and me alone. The Ten Commandments had been given at that point. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And so they took the first one and just cast it aside. And in doing so, the worship of the one true God became just a formality. And the tabernacle of God became just their good luck charm, more or less, for the nation. And they, 20 some odd years ago, had decided to go to battle against the Philistines who were uh, attacking them, and they didn't seek God. Instead, they just said, let's get these guys. And they lost the battle, and 4,000 Israelis died in that battle. And so then they, they were, they're kind of scratching their heads saying, God's always been with us before in battle. What's the deal? What's going on here? Maybe it's because we didn't have the ark up here. And see, the ark, they were looking on it as a lucky talisman, as a good luck charm. And so they sent and had the ark brought to the place where the battle was still uh, about to resume. And whenever the ark came along, a big cheer came up. Because they were so happy because they knew if they fought again, they were going to win because now their God was with them. 
They had the ark there. And the Philistines heard what was going on and they saw that the ark had arrived. And they trembled because they knew the battles that they had lost whenever the Israelites, God, was involved. But they encouraged one another, I guess you might say, and said, uh, let's, let's fight them anyway. And they did. And lo and behold, they had a greater victory. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died in that battle. And not only that, the ark was taken by the Philistines and was taken back into their territory. And so now it's a dark, dark time. In fact, this darkness had just come to a head. It started creeping in to Israel as they were turning their backs on God. And when the ark was of the covenant was taken from them during the battle, the priests who were attending to the ark, the sons of Eli, were both killed in battle. And when a messenger went back uh, to uh, where the ark was being kept and Eli was there and the messenger told him that the ark had been taken and that his sons had been killed, he collapsed and broke his neck and died. His daughter-in-law was having a child and she got the news just as the child was born and she was dying and she said, name the boy Ichabod for the glory of God has left Israel. And Israel was in darkness. They were going through religious motions, kind of, but they were still worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth. It didn't change, but they were just under the heel of the Philistines for 20 years. Those 20 years sound, it sounds like it was a horrible, horrible time to live without God's favor. And it says, as we read today, that they lamented after the Lord. They longed for the Lord's presence to be among them. They realized they had messed up big time and they didn't know what to do about it. But all the time in this time of darkness, you know, a lot of times we think of revival as uh, being something where there's a lot of big hoopla and big music and big singers coming in and uh, a lot of advertising and all. That wasn't going on, but revival in Israel was afoot because there was one man named Samuel that just made his rounds like a lowly, lonely, itinerant preacher, <laughs> like a circuit rider going from town to town, proclaiming the word of God to those in the towns. And then finally, after 20 years, somebody had a duh moment and they said, we need to listen to this guy. And they listened to his words. And once they listened to his words, 
things started turning around. And this is how revival began. And this is how revival always begins. It begins when the people realize that they've turned their backs on God. It begins when they begin to long after God, after experiencing what it's like to not have him. And here in our country, we're experiencing the very sorts of things that Israel was experiencing back then. We see how things are going here. We can imagine how things were going there without him in their midst. But they heard the words of the prophet Samuel and he cleaned house according to what the Lord told them. First of all, they cleaned their hearts. They repented and they got rid of all their idols. They confessed their sins and they rededicated themselves to the Lord. And as they were doing so, Their enemies, their enemies heard the ruckus and they gathered to attack once more. Now, I need to add that the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel seven months after it was taken because they couldn't handle it. Every city that the Ark went to, the people would wind up having boils and uh, they would have tumors, uh, just, just tumors that start popping out all over them. They would try to put the ark with their other gods, and the other gods would be destroyed. Their idols would be destroyed in the night. And so they would wound up everybody in the sick, in the, in the city that had the ark in its presence. They didn't want it there. So they just kind of pass it on to the next city. And after it went through about seven cities, they said, let's just get it back to them. We can't handle this. And so they sent the ark back to Israel. And so uh, the ark had been there, but the Lord still wasn't close. His presence wasn't being experienced by his people. And this is so much the way it is in churches many times. We can wind up with uh, uh, having a semblance of religion and having religious accoutrements, you might say, but have no presence of the Lord in our midst. And that's what it's all about, is being right with God and Him being right with you. And so they confessed They rededicated themselves. And then all of a sudden, the Philistines are gathering, getting ready to attack. And so they're scared. And this time, instead of trying to handle things in their own strength, like they did before, when the darkness began, they thought that they could lick the Philistines on their own. They knew they couldn't. They knew they needed the Lord. And so they turned to Samuel and Samuel, uh, has them bring the ark and uh and then they have a time of prayer and uh so as they sought God's help God gave them victory now they're falling away from the Lord and their return to his favor were both marked interestingly 
by an Ebenezer. You notice in the song that we sang today, come thou fount of every blessings, here I raise mine Ebenezer. You know, and a lot of people can live their whole lives singing that verse and never knowing what in the world an Ebenezer is. How many of y'all know what an Ebenezer is? Uh-huh. Okay. So we have a Bible study today because we need it. Okay. This is what an Ebenezer is. This is what you're singing about. The battles where they lost the ark, where they lost 4,000 and then 30,000, those battles were fought next to a place called, guess what? Ebenezer. So in that case, Ebenezer is a place. It's a locale. Uh, the victory came after they returned to the Lord and called upon him. And uh, it concluded with uh, Samuel erecting a monument. And that monument he named Ebenezer. And that is, and, and what Ebenezer means is it's a stone of help. It's a monument that you erect, a small monument that you erect out of, sometimes like in this case, they just put a big rock there. And that was a memorial to this fantastic turning point in the life of Israel. They had drifted so far away at Ebenezer and now... They come back and they name that place and they mark it with an Ebenezer. And so I think it's fascinating that the word Ebenezer stands on both sides of what the Israel's been going through, just like uh, book holders, you know, uh, end, end uh, holders or book, you know, the things that hold book, book stands, you know, or is it, what's it, there's a, another word for it where you, you know, those things that prop books up on either side, bookends, that's what you call them. So it's Ebenezer here, rough stuff, victory, Ebenezer here. And, uh, and Ebenezer technically is a monument that's erected to um, memorialize a very special point. And uh, so anyway, the battle was lost near Ebenezer. And now they gather at this place. And Samuel says at this stone of help, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I think those are words for us to grasp this morning. Thus far, the Lord has helped us two aspects. They can look back. They can look back and they can see God's hand was with them even when they thought he was not. And some of you, in fact, all of us, let's just face it. If we would look back on this past year, some of you have been through tough stuff. Some of you have been through glorious stuff. But no matter whether it was good or it's bad, if it was bad, the Lord got you through and you're sitting here today. If it was good, he was with you and he blessed you. And you can look back and I can, I'm sure for each one of us, it's a mixed bag. There are those good things that have happened and there are those bad things that have happened. But the Lord has been with you. Thus far, you see, 
the Lord has been with you. And I don't know how far back Samuel was talking about. He could go all the way back to the calling of Abraham. And you can see thus far from way back then, the Lord has been helping them all along. And if you look back, there are probably times when you knew you should die. And yet here you sit. There have been times when uh, you just didn't see how you could even move on. And yet you were able to come in here today. Thus far, the Lord has helped you. I can remember a, a lady in my first church. She's gone on to be with the Lord now. And uh, she had at one point been a barmaid who just went home drunk every night. She sampled the wares every evening. And she would go home staggering down a railroad track. And uh, there was a, uh, a trestle and there was always water under this trestle in this creek. And in the summertime when it was hot, she'd just stop. It was dark. It was secluded. She'd just go down there and take a bath in the water under that trestle. And then she'd stagger on home. I'm not going to give her whole story, but the Lord grabbed her, saved her radically. And as I was driving along with her one day, she pointed over to that trestle and she said, what a difference the Lord makes. You see that spot right there? And she told me how she would go and she would bathe there. Just take off all her clothes right there and just bathe. Just get in there and take a bath and uh, then put her clothes back on and go on home. And she said, after I had been walking with the Lord for a while, I came by this spot and I just stopped. and I got out of the car thinking back, looking back. And I looked down there and that place was teeming with water moccasins. And she said, they've always been there. The Lord was watching after me when I didn't even deserve it. And let's face it, let's admit it. The Lord has watched uh, after us even when we didn't deserve it. Even when we didn't even believe he was around. In this 20 years, the Lord has been with them, preserving them, and he's been wooing them back to him. You know, it says, or so the saying is, uh, if you feel that you're far from God, guess who moved? It wasn't the Lord. But it could be this morning that as you look back, maybe in this past year, somehow you have moved away from God. This is the best day of the year to come back. And it can, and we're going to be taking communion in just a moment. And, uh, and, and it just is so fitting that we do so. Now, something else that we need to notice about this passage and this victory. The victory began with repentance, prayer, and the sacrifice of a lamb. It says Samuel sacrificed the lamb and the people prayed that all of a sudden God thundered in heaven, confused the Philistines, and they took off. The victory was won, was won before they took a step. Do you see? 
And so all they did was chase the Philistines as they were running. And they chased them as far as Beth Car. So this all began with the sacrifice of a lamb. It ends at a place called Beth Car. You know what that means? Beth means house. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Beth Car means the house of the lamb. So this began with the sacrifice of a lamb. It ends in the lamb's house. That's amazing to me. And so they uh, wound up. Uh, it's the same way with us, you see. Our victories in life always begin with the sacrifice of a lamb, don't they? Our victories always begin at the cross. And if you're struggling with something and you need the Lord's help, the place to begin is always in prayer at the cross. Because being at the foot of the cross puts you at the place where you can realize what the uh, pure Lamb of God did on that cross so that we could even dare to approach our Heavenly Father. I read the other day that it's because of what the pure Lamb of God did on the cross that uh, uh, we can stand before our Heavenly Father, pure and righteous, just as pure and righteous as Jesus, because on the cross, he became as wretched and sinful as us. It's because of that, we can stand just as pure and righteous as Jesus. He bought our righteousness. He brought us a purity that we needed to even approach the throne of grace. And you see, the cross is our Ebenezer. It stands as a monument to the Lord's help. When we couldn't help ourselves, his cross was in its place. The blood had been spilt and our cleansing had already been brought so he could help us with things that we couldn't help ourselves with. You see, Jesus is the ultimate stone of help, and it's right that we call him the rock of our salvation. Our victory over sin will end in the house of the Lamb of God in heaven, won't it? The psalmist David knew this, and at the end of the 23rd Psalm, he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell in the house of the Lamb of God. You see, it begins with the sacrifice of a lamb. It ends in the house of the lamb. And so they stand there looking back and they can see that the Lord has helped them. But there's a looking forward context. Samuel says, we've come thus far. And it indicates they're going to keep on going. The Lord's not through with them yet. The Lord's not through with you yet. But you see, as you look back, 
You can see it has been with you. As you look forward, you know, because of what you've seen back here, you know that you can count on him being with you. And you'll be able to say, I have been through so many yesterdays with the Lord's help and him being there with me that I know I can trust him with my tomorrows. And so on this first Sunday, we're here at this brink as the new year begins, looking back and acknowledging God has brought us thus far and looking forward, acknowledging he's going to keep on going with us. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will see me home. That's the faith that we go into 2020 with. And may we have 2020 hind vision and 2020 vision as we move on with him. Even when they didn't deserve it, he was helping them. Even when you have felt like you didn't deserve him to even give you the time of day. He's still been helping you and he will continue to do so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.